Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to the official GeekSpeak podcast. I'm your host, Sean diddley Wassum, And joining as always is my co-host, Josh crust of a sandwich rudy rudolph this is a podcast where we watch movies make movies play games and more what else can you ask for hey josh what's up crust of a sandwich what i told you it is dumb i told you that you did say it would be dumb that's um, certainly dumb <laughs> thanks bud <laughs> i'm glad i could be of service <laughs> this episode was originally going to be about fast x but i could not binge the fast franchise in time uh, tonight, though, I'm watching Tokyo Drift for the first time ever, and next week should be about the whole Fast Saga as a whole. Um, and it's Pride Month now, since we last recorded. Uh, also, congrats, gays. I'm so sorry. <laughs> since we last recorded. That was not a joke. I mean, I congr- yay. Uh, Pride is great. But I shouldn't have phrased it like, congrats, gays. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> Since we last recorded, I had my three-year anniversary with my girlfriend. I got to go to her college graduation. It was a lot of fun. And I was also on the set of a feature film for a whole week, pretty much, since we last recorded. So it's been a very busy time in between recordings for me, hence the lack of recordings. So I apologize for that. And Josh has been working full-time still. I've been working. I want to cry. You can. Just let it out, bud. Oh, that's true. We we have airtime for you. Don't worry. We have a cry break scheduled for you. Don't worry. Oh, thank God. That would be a good thing for this podcast. Just like a little cry break. (laughs) We all all need it sometimes. We leave it in completely unedited. Yeah. I think viewers love listening to that for a good 20 minutes, you know, just straight pouring out tears. Pouring out, you know, whatever. Things. Yes, Josh, things. If you don't know where Josh is very tired. When am am I not, listeners? (laughs) I don't know. Last episode, you seemed pretty chipper about Spiderwick. Well, we were. That was also like right as I woke up, so I think I was sort of. Last alive. episode, we talked about the Spiderwick Chronicles, and kept saying, "This would be a great TV show." Both was completely blanking on the fact that Disney Plus is making a Spiderwick show, and I think we've reported on it being developed into a show in the past. Yes, more than one time. We're great at our jobs. This is who's paying us? No one. Someone, someone pay us and we'll pay better attention. Uh, no, you won't. That, you're right. So, if you're new to the podcast, welcome, welcome, welcome. I know I said it three times, but there you go. Welcome. I guess I'm before, welcome again. We're going to keep welcoming you. If you're new to the podcast, that's awesome. It's great. This is a show about pop culture and geeky stuff and nerdy stuff and movies and TV shows and things that fall under the umbrella of, pop, of geek and nerd fandom. And we, each episode, we have four main topics, usually. 
we start with our Disney Channel original movie, heading into our news section, usually news of the week about, you know, again, pop culture news involving whatever we choose, because it's what we're interested in. Following up after that with our main topic, which sometimes is just a lot of news still, because breaks happen where we have to catch up. And then we usually end the episode with a thing called a super weird story. And I did get one for today, actually, Josh. So, be ready. Oh, goody. It's actually wholesome and great. So, I figured I should give you a break on weird stuff and like make it something that's nice. We'll see. Uh, trust me. Damn. Sir, the first super weird story you gave me was about racist super that was That first one, though, you le- when I gave you the trick question. You did give me a good trick question. <laughs> Which one of these two things? I don't know. I think it's that one. It's both. Uh, ah, that's worse. <laughs> it's much worse. If you're not aware of what we're talking about right now, go back and listen to episode one. You can scroll to the end if you want to. We have timestamps. Go to skip the super weird story and hear what we're talking about there. What we're going to focus on today. So the first topic we're going to enter into is a Disney Channel original movie. Because most episodes, we go through a different Disney Channel original movie, or DCOM, D-C-O-M, for short. And we will see how in a short period of time, the biggest media company on Earth caters towards solely children with a large sample size. And we'll see quality changes, etc. We watched a Disney Channel movie called The Ultimate Christmas Present. And I think this movie is a bad Christmas present for us. It's it's also uh, bad. We we don't ter- use that term here, Josh. I use the term when I feel like it to make you mad. I'm going to say that now. In general, in the podcast, we use the terms yay or nay to describe art because art is subjective and whatever. It's not really true, good, or bad. It's just what, how you feel. And Josh feels like it's bad. <laughs> I was so bored watching this. Like You're also really tired. It's it really is boring. It really is. I watched this at nine o'clock. Like that was okay. not that's not late. Okay, here's my main thing about this movie. We'll get to the plot in a second. Don't worry. And spoilers because it's year two thousand. If you want to go watch the movie, it's again on Disney Plus, the ultimate Christmas present. But <laughs> spoilers for this movie, I guess. But I, it's about the wrong character. It's a, it's about a lot of wrong things. But like, the, the, there's numerous characters in this movie somehow. And there's one character that should be focused on who's not. And that character is Edwin Hadley. <laughs> the greatest character Disney has ever made. He's a reporter. He opens the movie. He's a protagonist. This man fully understood what kind of movie he was in and used it to his advantage. This movie should have gotten crazier. He was the only one giving the correct energy. Like, there's there's a line reading. So, okay, I guess we gotta say what the movie is about so you can understand this joke. There's children, and they discover Santa's secret cabin in the woods, because Santa has a secret cabin in the woods. He has a summer cabin. A summer cabin that he just goes to escape because he can't handle life. And he's developing a weather machine, and he's just like, ah, this stupid piece of junk throws it out the window, and then the girls are like, Whoa! garbage and take it and they discovered that it creates weather and of course santa you know has an earthquake setting so there's that there's more context that we'll get to in a minute but go ahead josh but they are like okay we have papers we need to finish but we don't want to do it so snow day for everyone and they live in la and la famously does not get snow too often and then snow happens, and report, reporter Weatherman is just like, hold on, something's happening here. This isn't normal weather. This is human tomfoolery. I gotta figure out what's up with this. But um, And so the setup for the joke is, is that the big boss of the news channel wants him to go do reporting on stuff. 
And when he's giving a report about the weather, he's just like, um, and this weather is extremely unfair to people like Jennifer Love Hewitt, who slipped on the ice. Then it cuts to, like, a second camera, and he does, he's not aware of it at all. Then he, like, realizes, oh, it turns slowly to the camera. Oh, no. That's so sad. <laughs> in, tragedy. In, in such the most deadpan way, it was so funny. Well, I think it's also after him trying to be more funny, and it doesn't work, which is great. But I think we're missing some context for this film here. Let's First, figure out some weird stuff. First off, they never explain why Santa has a summer cabin. Or why he's there. Not once. He and Mrs. Claus call each other Papa and Mama. And I feel like that's more information than I need to know about their relationship. <laughs> also, we only see two elves. And, and one of them is Patrick Starr from from Spongebob. And it's just... And, like, the North Pole is, like, nothing. We barely like see... Cabins. We don't see, like, any of it. And, like, I get there on a budget of, like, a ham cheese sandwich and, like, $10, but still. I have a lot of thoughts about this movie. I have a lot of notes. It's it's just but, a... Bo- it's a boring Christmas movie. Like, it doesn't have the aesthetic or vibes of a Christmas movie in the slice. Like, at least Hallmark understands this. They have that shit down. So, our main girl, who uh, Josh pointed out to me earlier, looks like a young Saoirse Ronan. She really does. I think mix Saoirse Ronan with, like, Amanda Bynes, and you get that. More accurate. And then her best friend is Brenda Song, which famously is London Tipton. This is, like, I think, like, five years before Zack and Cody started. She looks so much younger than that, though, which is crazy to me. Yeah, because I think she's, like, closer to the age of the character she's supposed to be playing. (laughs) And then her little brother, the main girl, Saoirse Ronan, Amanda Bynes' girl. What's her name? I don't know. Someone. Uh, Her her little brother is played by Spencer Breslin. Who you might be aware from the movie Zoom, where he plays a blow-up boy. Zoom, or, the cat in the hat, the Santa the Claus the movies. The Santa Claus 3, uh, where he's the head boy. Or number 2, where he's the second boy, under Brief Bernard. And almost causes the downfall of everything. What's in that movie? is Again, he's an elf who's trying to focus on tech. There's a lot of Christmas movies, like an awful lot, where the elves are trying to like, keep up with the times. It's a weird thing. Just stop. I think the only one that's successfully done that was Arthur Christmas. It's the same. They're always like, we gotta update technology with times. And this one, they're like, guys, we have computers now. <laughs> yeah, but this one, it's just, it's such nothing to the plot. But at least, like, in Noel, like, it was a really funny bit of just, like, how it was just like, we're Amazon now and everyone is naughty. Well, the reason why it's here is because it gave them a chance to change out the, because they couldn't get, clearly, a sleigh and reindeer. So their excuse was, we'll have a tech and, and get a new, and get a cool car. And yeah. that will be the idea. And they fly on probably the flattest green screen I think I've ever seen in the movie. Yes, but at least like they had, they, they wrote the tech thing as an excuse for not having reindeer. I get that, so, but still. Again, this movie takes place, we haven't said this yet. This, this starts out on the 22nd of December. Why are you still in school? And, like, why is your paper due on Christmas Eve? Right. I like, had a little, that was so stupid. Why are they, like, they kept saying, when, uh, Christmas break starts in two days. Why does it start on this on Christmas Eve? Like, I feel bad for, you know, places that actually do that kind of stuff. <laughs> that's horrendous. I've never heard that happening anywhere. That's crazy. So that's dumb. And then... Why do you end up signing a homework paper, a, a five-page essay, single-spaced, which they said, due on Christmas Eve? That's so stupid. And No they, one's going to get that done on time. And these are, like, kids that are probably, like, 12. So, like, asking, yeah, them, to do mo- asking them to do more than, like, two pages is a lot. <laughs> like, that's a whole semester's worth of work for them. 
she also has to buy a present. She has to go and pick out her essay. She lies on the spot and says her essay is going to be about Shakespeare. Um, it's a creative writing essay, just make up a story kind of thing. Which, that's not a terrible kind of essay prompt. Just do what you want to tell you want to tell. That's fine. But her, her best friend, uh, Brenna Song, they go on a bike ride adventure. And because she also needs, still needs to pick up Christmas presents still. And so she's like, I'm going to go in the woods. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> There's no reason the, for her to go in the woods. No, it's what she gets a present from. That's her idea, which is so stupid. What are you going to find the woods for your brother? I don't know. So here's what's stupid about this scene. Well, many things. But she says to Brenda Song, just trust me. And Brenda Song's next line is this. <laughs> I quote, every time you tell me to trust you, I either end up in detention or on a kid's missing person list. I have so How many, many questions. I just have so many questions. Yes. You remember that part, right? I very that was I laughed so hard at it. I, I need more context to their previous adventures. How often are you told to trust her? And what's funny is, is there's a part later where it's like her, where main girl, like, you know, keeps asking Brenda's song for, like, you know, clothes and movies and stuff, and she, like, never gives it back. I'm just like, why are you two friends? What's, what do you both get out of this friendship? Uh, probably met in, like, kindergarten and just stuck together. Ah. That, 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 well, in high school. Yeah. There's some interesting lines in this movie. A lot of weird First, dialogue. I, no one talks or acts like a human being. Not one character. Not like, one. Like, when they discover how the weather machine works, one uh, I think Brenda Song says, Whoa, how fierce is that? I'm just like, what? Right, and then her little, and then the main girl's brother, Spencer Breslin, is like, What's fierce? And starts banging on the door <laughs> incessantly and being to- told you can't come in. And he tells on her, on her to her mom, like, she won't let me in her room. She's being bossy. What are you talking about? Okay, that is very accurate because I was like that as a child. <laughs> I understand, but the the level of the the switch. I think his like I understand that too, but the way he is switches from complete like on and off to the extremes is very fascinating to me. He's an odd child. Yes, I think there's a lot of overacting in this movie from pretty much every character, but never at the right times. No, so. My first note was that in the first scene, I wrote the newest caster is definitely high. <laughs> this name is Edmund Hadley. He's called the boring newscaster, but I would watch his new newscast because he does not look sober in any way. <laughs> he is stumbling and pausing in the weirdest ways when he's talking. And it's quite amusing. It's very it's, funny. It's a purposeful acting choice. And I, I enjoyed that thoroughly. Again, I just, I fully believe that he was just like, okay, I know what this is, and I'm gonna, I know what I need to do. Now we gotta keep in mind, the year this movie came out in 2000, much like our last movie, Phantom of the Megaplex. This is also our last movie of the 2000, the year 2000. Next is 2001. Wow. And our next movie is Xenon 2. This is equal. Oh no. So we gotta remember the year 2000. The internet's still, it's hip, it's new, it's gotta be in every movie ever. Her dad, the main girl's dad, is a, worked on software. And he is, has a website called bonesforbowser.com. <laughs> Today, that would be a very different kind of site. That would be a Bowser hentai site now, right? Almost definitely. It probably is one. I'm not going to Google that. I'm not going to Google that either. If someone out there wants to Google it, you can. Don't tell us what you, you find. But bonesforbowser.com. And then the next line is from the, her, the main girl to her dad. Do you really think people want to buy dog bones over the internet? 
And thinking about it now is hilarious to me. Yeah. Because everyone buys everything over the internet. It's it's weird just like watching movies just from 20 years ago and hearing stuff like that. It's just like, yeah, that probably was a really common thought back then. Yeah, people thought the internet was a fad, which is wild. I, I have so <laughs> what what is with Santa's weather machine? He he gives a good reason for it. He's just like, I just wanted, you know, to give like people like a nice light white Christmas, like, you know, when I'm flying over them. I'm like, okay, that's nice. Then why do you have an earthquake setting? What do you gain from this? What kind of chaos are you planning? Like, I understand maybe rain, maybe you need to start, like, maybe you need that setting first, you know, levels of precipitation, whatever he's trying to do. Earthquake is crazy. Tornado is crazy. Is there a hurricane setting too? Santa, what are you planning? <laughs> Santa Claus College Katrina. I'm calling it now. I w- you know, given this movie's track record, I wouldn't be surprised. Santa Claus caused the Princess and the Frog movie to happen. <laughs> Let's jump into some of the stuff we have about our good boy Edwin Hadley here. So why 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 do I love this character so much? Uh, besides the actor being insane in this movie, which is rightfully so, he is threatened in this movie. <laughs> like his boss threatens him in the wildest way. He really does. Edwin Hadley is good at his job, like so good at his job, and loves his job in the weather. He's a weatherman. He's a meteorologist. He's not exciting. But when I'm watching the weather, I don't need excitement, you know? It's like, weather isn't supposed to be exciting. It's supposed to be boring. They get mad at him for not knowing that the snow is going to come. His boss does. And he uses that as leverage, as an excuse, like, you know, I could fire fire you for this. It's just what? like, like, motherfucker, you live in L.A. Like, what? why would he have any reason to suspect snow was coming? Also, if he's not been wrong that much before, is there precedent for him being wrong a lot? Because why would you not believe him all of a sudden when he says the truth of, hey, we didn't know this was going to happen. I couldn't have predicted this. You know, odd choice. My favorite part of that scene with the boss calling him in and saying we could have fired you is the most out of left field, random ass line. And that's that the boss says to Edwin, our main um, amazing boy, if it wasn't for the fact that I was married to your sister, I would have already fired you a long time ago. (laughs) And then he says, after that, and she thinks I should fire you too. And I have questions. Because, and then Edwin's like, she did? What? What the fuck? That's such a random detail to add in. It feels so random. And something that very, that, the whole thing of, oh, my boss, my, my sister's married to him. That feels like I would belong in, out of place in, like, a Josh Rudolph script. Yeah, that sounds like something I do. Yeah, you know, it's it's you're not it's, an insult to you. It's it's the level here. of it's it's the level of insane comedy that I like to put throughout my movies. But here, like the comedy, like through and through, most of it, like, is very not that. But that line is like, what are you talking about? Why is it big? Who added what intern added that that weird joke into here? Whoever it is, thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a note that says, "Why are the elves acting like pedophiles?" Yeah, because there's because um, there's a point they they go they find Santa and they're like no okay, context, Josh. I'm kidding. Go ahead. And so they're and so Santa they find a footprint and they're like, okay, uh, this fits this shoe, which was delivered to these girls. Like and, they learned the device was stolen. Yes, the, the, the weather machine. And so they find a footprint. They figure out like, okay, this belongs to X amount of uh, girls and that fit the size in this area. Okay, let's just knock out the ones on the nihilist and see if they took it. And you know, logically, it makes sense. They're going about it and figuring it out is the most creepy pedophile way you could absolutely go about it. <laughs> well, these two grown men, because the elephants are grown adult men, uh, who are 
both the actors are known to be tall men as well. They're both taller, like a foot taller than Santa Claus. Yeah, and that's a, that, that's like a running gag. Like, we're not we're not short elves. We're tall boys, but like they walk up to the little girls like, "Hey, Jen, what's up?" Like, <laughs> what the hell? Please stop. And, like the most like stranger danger way possible. Yeah, and they're wearing later hosen. <laughs> like that's no. Whoever wrote the line, there are 1,837 girls in Los Angeles with size 7 feet. Why did you write that line? I'm uncomfortable. There's <laughs> uh, a lot of weird stuff like that in this movie. Not a fan of that stuff. I, I hate how whenever the elves were in public, they never bothered covering their ears. Well, neither did the makeup team, honestly. Yeah, the makeup on it was bad. Like, I, like I'm a... sorry, makeup team, but, like, bad. <laughs> I don't think it's their fault necessarily, because this was designed for 480p TVs. Yeah, but still. It's like when you watch like iCarly or Friends, and it's you watch the full screen version, like the widescreen version now, and it was cropped in originally. So you see some stuff on the edges that you weren't supposed to see. So I think just quality-wise, they were never expecting it to be, you know, on a 1080p kind of screen. Like I said, if I made a short film now, and it was put into like the 1080 put into 4K, and like, re- restored that quality fully... I, I would have there be flaws that I wouldn't have noticed at first, kind of thing. So I get that. It is it's kind of staggering. Like the sometimes the skin tone doesn't even match on the ear, the tips. Well, I have a question, Josh. If Santa Claus in this can teleport like he does, why does he need this sleigh? Do you have an answer for me? Um. Um. No. Um. <laughs> also, dead parent trope again. But it, it comes. At, it comes out of out. nowhere literally out of left field and it's kind of hilarious it's i miss my dad i know that feeling like what the hell (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty much how it goes down it's it doesn't because like brenda's song doesn't really have much of a presence in this movie after like a certain point like she's just there and then like they just kind of throw that and just like why should i why should i care about this at one point, our boy Edwin Hadley becomes a full-blown like comic book character villain. He really does, he, and it's great. Even evil laugh, he gets covered. It ends like the his ending in this is like a Scooby-Doo villain ending. <laughs> ah, you've caught me! It's like it's very silly. His, and I loved it. His plan when he figures out what's causing the weather is: I'm going to take this and I'm going to control the weather and be the greatest meteorologist in the world. <laughs> but also, he's pushed over the edge. Like he's threatened to lose his job. His sister thinks he should be fired. Like, the, a few years ago, he was doing fine. Had a normal life. And now, all of a sudden, his entire world is crumbling around him. And, you know what? You you go steal that mother machine. You deserve it. <laughs> and, like, it's it results in this, like, so boring third act climax of, like, them br- very briefly chasing him, like, on a snowmobile. He crashed into a candy factory, and they just kind of chase him through it and then he falls into chocolate and cotton candy and then that's how it ends <laughs> one thing i like is that they don't address in this movie one way or another about adults saying santa claus isn't real yeah they kind of like hint at that like oh maybe santa will bring you something it's just like are we gonna really do this shit again no because they, they didn't they, they made it very clear that i think i believe fully that santa uh, adults in this world don't disbelieve in Santa Claus. He just is a thing. Ah. I, I fully believe that. Because they never... There was never once in a point period in this movie where an adult saw Santa Claus and then didn't believe he was Santa Claus. Because there was never really a point for that, though. Because only the kids right. saw him. Uh, Edwin saw him. Yeah, but he and... also went full supervillain, so I don't think that a lot was facing him at that point. 
My point is, they didn't write themselves in, into the plot hole that many Christmas movies do with that. So I'm that's, that's, it gets one point for that. Just the one point. Okay, two points. One for Edwin. That's all my notes. It's 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 a nay for me. It's it's so boring. Like yay or nay? I'm it's it's a nay, and just the biggest failure of a Christmas movie is when it doesn't have the right vibes of a Christmas movie. Like whether it be the look, the tone, the spirit. Like if you can't get those basic things down, then it just kind of fails as it. And like I get the idea of like oh it's in L.A. so like lack of Christmas stuff, but literally the house doesn't have decorations. Like they don't That's even true. have a Christmas tree yet. I don't. They have cactus. Yeah, but I don't know if this is like a real life thing. If it is, I just have questions. Who waits till the last minute to get their tree? Oh, we didn't address the giant storm really yet, though. Not really. Like the what reason it happens is because our main girl, our our sorcerer named Amanda Bynes girl. What's her name? I don't know. They we don't say names a lot in this movie. She when she steals the weather machine and figures out what it does. She decides to get make it a snowfall to miss school. That's why. Which is a very kid thing to do. Sure. But she, when she first took it, she's like, oh, look, junk. I'll take this. I don't know why. I'm going to buy a present. This will work fine. And then when she like, figures out what it is, sees that it does, you know, earthquakes, hurricanes, whatever, and makes a snowstorm happen, she just wanted to miss school. She caused so many problems because she didn't want to go to school the next day. I mean, to be fair, she did, like, you know, once the machine broke and, like, kept going, she kind of realized, like, ah, my my father isn't here. I kind of fucked up. <laughs> she did have the assignment due, like, the next day, though. So I guess that's part of it. I also love, we ne- usually, like, when stories have that kind of trope, it always ends with them, like, finishing the story. We never see her write a story or turn anything in. No, she gets an F, clearly. <laughs> what she deserves. She gets an F. She gets coal in her stocking. Her parents no. divorce. No. <laughs> I want to go watch Miracle Lane 2 again instead. I... Yeah. Yeah. Miracle Lane 2 was also made by this director, so his his range is very strange. Well, I think you had better talent there, too, and better script. Like, Frankie Muniz had a lot of fun with that movie. It was better comedic timing. I think he did, the director here didn't have a lot to work with, personally. Yeah. Uh, any final notes or thoughts on the ultimate Christmas present? So, when Edwin shows up uh, to the house because he figures out that where the storm originated from and it's just like aha this is this was clearly created by humans i'm gonna go to this house he's just like uh shows up the door he's just like hi uh you've won a random you've won an afternoon with me your local <laughs> weatherman <laughs> and of course the of course these right the parents so stupid they're like oh okay come in and inspect my lamps <laughs> it was bizarre i would not have felt safe with that scenario if if even if you believe that, and he walks in and starts like inspecting like your lamps, it's when you're like, okay, I'm gonna make a quick call to the police, and he demands a pot roast from you and candy. <laughs> so many things, and then your son comes out and says, like, the man started saying I was gonna go to jail. That's when it's just like, ah, something's something bad is happening. Again, this movie would not have been made the same way today because there was some creepy stuff in this movie. It would have been a very different movie. Let's talk about our news, Josh. News? So we both give nays. Don't watch this one. Nah, even uh, even at Christmas, don't watch it. So we have news this week again, Josh. Why? Starting with, why do we have news? Why do things keep happening? Can't life we just, goes on. Can't just things just take a pause? I'd love that, because unfortunately we started with sad news with the passing of Ray Stevenson. Ah, you might so know good. from Punisher Warzone, 
or as Volstagg in the Thor movies in the MCU or many other amazing roles. Rest in peace, Ray Stevenson. He was, he the, was only he, 58. He was the villain in RRR. He was fantastic in that, and this is sad. He's a great actor, and from all accounts, he was a good person, too. Um, I don't know him personally, but it's a tragic loss. I should. I sound happy saying that. I'm genuinely like, as, as a tragic loss. But I have... Moving on to movie releases. <laughs> Jesus Christ. When I told Josh earlier, I did not organize this at all. I mean that. This is going to be interesting. We have numerous movies that come out so far in uh, the past like two weeks, and that includes Disney's The Little Mermaid, which Josh would give a nay to, I'm guessing. I, as someone that is already not a fan of these remakes, uh, I've already posted a review of this. I think it is just the same film, but done worse. Cast is very good. Musical numbers, they just are so bland and boring. The additions are so minor that they don't really, they equate to just adding more lines, and somehow the film is an hour longer. It is just an inferior version that thinks that it's better than the original. But hey, Hallie was great. So there's that. So fuck you, racists. <laughs> I think it's funny because you're the only person I know who thinks it's worse than the original. Like the well, only person I know. Yeah, because I know things. I'm better than people. <laughs> You've seen my movie collection. <laughs> I've seen movies. <laughs> oh my god. You hear it, folks? Josh is better than everyone, apparently. You're correct on that. <laughs> For everyone who's, who's not aware, he's completely joking. I don't, I'll tell you, please, do not take him too seriously. I um, I have so many stupid movie opinions. There's probably a lot of people that think I'm a contrarian. And you know what? You're probably right. <laughs> uh, another movie came out. We're not going to talk about yay. I don't want to hear a yay from you, Josh. Fast X. So that's next episode. It came out. We'll discuss it then. Moving on, a movie that came out today? Last this past weekend? Transformers came out this weekend, right? It comes out this weekend. Oh, yeah. Transformers Rise of the Beasts, which I would be excited for if we didn't have five other ones beforehand that were not amazing. This, this, ignore the other ones. This is a sequel to Bumblebee. This has nothing to do with Bays. Get it, erase it from your brain. I wish I could, Josh. These aren't related. <laughs> Quoting Potter Puppet Palace, would that I could. <laughs> would that I could. Orange one. <laughs> uh, also, the, the Boogeyman came out, which I have yet to see. I, it's I just, uh, Stephen King. I've I've heard like okayish things, but I've never I haven't heard anything that just makes me want to go see it. Like, and for the trailers, I'm like, it looks fine, but it just doesn't interest me. Regardless, I'm impressed that Stephen King being able to keep writing so much. That that man is just impressive. I think also the writers of A Quiet Place wrote the adaptation of it. Cool. Good for them for getting work. Ted. <laughs> Are you dissing 65 right now? I mean, yeah. Okay. It's a cool concept. Uh, it's just not that good of a movie. Ted Lasso has ended officially after three seasons with bad marketing for the third season. It Like, in terms of, like, a standard TV season's marketing, it was fine. As a final season's marketing, it was kind of terrible because they didn't tell you that it was the final season, which, you know, that's kind of a big deal when a show ends. But... I have not yet watched season three. I was waiting for it all to come out before I watched it. And so I'll be binging this third season this week. And I will cry a lot, I guess. Uh, it's not really... I, s- well, so far, I'm only like three quarters of the way in. It's not super sad, but it's still a very nice show. I have nice heard show. differently about the end of the show. I actually don't know how the show ends. So I, I've heard I've heard it gets like a bittersweet ending, at least. I'm fine with um, a bittersweet ending. Everyone dies. Dear God. <laughs> it just takes a dark turn. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm excited to see more Jamie Tart and Roy Kent. Roy <laughs> Kent. And everyone else. Jamie's character progression, I absolutely love. He's become one of my favorite characters. Oh, he, just great. I, I, Nate is someone... You know, I'm excited, for the show. I'm excited to finish the show. I'm excited for it. So yay for the show having its finale and seeming that people like it. Yay. I'm I'm going to be sad that the show is over, but hey, they ended it on their own terms, so there's that. We got the first trailer for the Color Purple musical movie, which, if you're not aware, was a book adapted into a movie, adapted into a musical, adapted into a movie musical. I knew that it was a movie by Spielberg back in the 80s. I did not know it was based on the book. And of course, I'm familiar with the musical existing. The musical is incredible. I saw it on stage years ago, and it, not like on Broadway stage, but just on a local theater. It was amazing. I saw one of the performances on YouTube. I was just like, that's some really good singing. Oh, yeah, the one I showed you with Cynthia Rebo. Yee. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. And so, yay in this trailer, it looks beautiful and touching and amazing. It's a really depressing story, but it's, you know, I'm glad it's being told again. It looks like it'll be good. I'm willing to bet the musical numbers will be better than The Little Mermaid. Funny enough, Halle Bailey is in both of them. Uh, HBO Max is officially just Max now. So. Oh, goody. I love it. It's it's yeah, such a nay. it's such a worse app. <laughs> Remember, Josh, it's it's not TV, it's HBO. That was their slogan. Max. Now the it's... once it is literally Max Colon, the one to watch for HBO. I'm just like, if you have to put that in there, then you know that it's not working. Right. The whole idea of the Ray Brand was to erase the HBO eliteness of it. Even though that was like your selling point for years. Like it's above TV higher quality and stuff now it's like guys it's just tv it's cool have you have you heard of the 90 day fiance cinematic universe i hate that now when i'm on the app it will just like for you and it recommends me all these reality shows i'm just like number one i already don't watch reality tv number two these look awful i will always watch you survivor don't worry okay survivor is very different (laughs) survivor's fun (laughs) survivor is very different you're right you know what takes a lot of survival skills, Josh? What takes survival skills is a little game called Minecraft, survival mode. Oh, yeah, Personally, I've been playing a lot of hardcore Minecraft, Minecraft lately, which you know, one life only, a mode that Josh would never play. I am bad at it. You are bad at most games that require only one li- have only one life, I feel like. I'm, I'm bad at that. I'm bad at games that are just like, be creative. I'm just like, I want to play as the guy on the box. <laughs> well, you can do that with Minecraft. Yeah, but then you yell at me for it. <laughs> That's true. I did make Josh get an actual skin because it, people are more likely to target in multiplayer games if you don't have a skin. They think you're a noob. But Yeah, I am. What of it? So you don't want to get targeted then? Oh, boo-hoo. I was going to die anyways. Moving on to Minecraft movie news. <laughs> Matt Berry is currently in talks to star in the movie alongside Jason Momoa. Two long-haired men. What, what? is this movie about? Both, both with very distinct voices. It's going to be great. <laughs> I hope it's live action. Dear God, I hope it's live action. Watch it just be them, just a let's play of the two of them playing Minecraft. That's all the movie it's, is. It's just those two in, like, uh, fucking uh, Sky Does Minecraft, Captain Sparkles, like old school Minecraft YouTubers, Dan TDM, people you don't know. But our audience no. might know some of them. Who knows? I know some of them because my brother watched a lot of Minecraft YouTube. So, ha! Take you that. know Captain Sparkles? I know of him. Congrats, he's cool. I would love to watch this movie now. More excited than ever. I know 
a while ago, Rob McElhaney was going to direct it. That stopped, but that would have been very interesting. I have questions about this movie, though. What is the plot? I, I know it's, it will be animated. I get that at this point. It's very clear. What, but the, in a game that has zero plot. You could just make anything. That's that's the beauty of it. I hope Matt Berry is the voice of um, like every single Minecraft mob. Every creature. <laughs> That'd be great. Yay? Yeah, I, I'll give it a yay. Yeah. We have the trailers for the PS5 Spider-Man 2 game. It looks so good! You excited for it? I have been waiting for this game since 2018. They teased us like two years ago, and we haven't gotten anything till now. We get Symbiote Spider-Man. We get Miles doing new things. He does a, a Super Saiyan attack with his lightning. There's uh, Kraven. There's Venom. There's so many things. There's a giant lizard. I am so excited for this. Have you watched the gameplay? Of course. Good. I do want to say one thing. They have the chance to reference one of the best Spider-Man memes of all time. In this game. We have Symbiote <laughs> Spidey. We have Shocker in this game. Josh, play the audio. Shocker! No, I don't mean you scream it. I'm <laughs> saying play the audio. You know, everything. <laughs> Not just Josh As, as soon it. as I yeah. said it, I realized what you wanted me to do. <laughs> Shocker! Just Josh screaming to himself. Shocker! Escape me! I'll chase you to the ends of the earth! But yes, that would be a great meme to recreate, right? Yes. I'll follow you to the ends of the earth, which also could be interpreted as a gay love story. You're not wrong. But I'll follow you to the ends of the earth! Aww, look how cute they are. <laughs> you care about Venom, let there be carnage, right? Oh, yes. Uh, uh, Venom said gay rights, so I say gay rights. Yeah, and the rave seemed great. You care about uh, Baron Mordo sometimes? Who? Doctor Strange. Baron Mordo, the green guy. Who? His bestie. Oh. <laughs> uh, sure. So you, you've seen Mordo. You've seen... You've heard him as Scar. You've heard Lion King. When now she would tell Edgy 4, he's going to be in Venom 3. I don't know who's going to play. But cool, question mark? I have no thoughts. You like Venom 2 more than Venom 1. I like Venom 1 more than Venom 2. That's the wrong thing. They're, they're, neither one of them is amazing, Josh. I disagree. You think Venom 2 is amazing? It is. It, it understands the insanity of what it's going for. The first one doesn't. Who would he play to you? That's a good question. They'll probably do something like bring in like another symbiote, so it'll probably be like Toxin. I don't want a third symbiote. Well, they're, you know there i never said they were the most amazingly written we are recasting morbius with chibatel as you for yeah you get not only do you get a better actor you probably get a better movie i mean i could find that wouldn't you i would yes you would yes yeah i, I would I yes like, i would love to see that happen just to see jared little get mad at it no he's coming back as scar in venom 3 i mean sure why not i'll take it no, over that, new lion king stuff well that's what it brings up to our next point is that this could happen. Because remember, Lion King's going to be a franchise now, according to our next news piece. This is the stupidest fucking thing this company has said, and that's saying a lot! <laughs> so according to Disney, <laughs> which is always a fun way to start a sentence, uh, Sean Bailey says the live-action Lion King franchise has the potential to expand into a big, epic saga like Star Wars. Quoting, there's a lot of room to run if we can find the stories. Uh, you, should, you should have to go and find the stories. What it should you... be... 
are there stories to tell or not? <laughs> what do they think happens in the Lion King universe that's an epic franchise? Obviously, it's Scar meeting Venom in Venom 3. I just... Like, if this was animated, like, the you know, the original animation style, sure, why not? Because there's actual emotion I can see behind the characters. But this live-action shit, I'm just like, no. Well, people Dear God, love no. Lion King 2. People love Lion King 2, the DVD movie. Yeah, but the sequel they're making isn't a sequel. It's a prequel. And at least at least that'll be different. It's just a crossover movie now. It's just going to be their, their MCU. It's going to be like a, a Scar meeting Hercules. It's going to be I Jasmine mean, with uh, Simba. I mean, to be fair, Scar meeting Hercules didn't work out for him the first time. I'm aware of this. <laughs> We've all seen that rug. You've seen movies. You play games. You like VR. I now, where am I going with this? You have no idea. This is correct. Remember uh, when I had you on my live stream and you played a horror game in your VR? Yes, and I about dislocated my knee from falling because of a jump scare that was mistimed. Yeah, you get it. It's fun. So, <laughs> you played a Five Nights at Freddy's VR. Well, we get the new Five Nights at Freddy's trailer and posters. What did you think of that teaser? A uh, good teaser. I hope that they change the eye colors from red because it doesn't look as threatening. Really? Correct. Why? The humanoid eyes, like, if they look more human, is creepier than just, like, I have evil red eyes, I will kill you. Like, that's not as scary. That's fair. I don't really care about that one or the other, but it was cool seeing Matthew Lillard and the, uh, also the post- the pictures they put out and stuff. Matthew Lillard's just a cool guy, and I think he can do anything horror again is fun, because he's great in screen. Yeah. Uh, the Flash show, not the movie, don't worry, it's coming to its, it came to its final episode this past week, and... For most people, that's a sad thing. It Most people who watch, at least watch the show or have watched any of the Arrowverse because that kind of concludes the Arrowverse. So that's wild to me. It's so insane just how mishandled like WB took like that whole thing. I'm not saying that it was all good. There's a lot of messy stuff in it. But like you have to commend them for creating a shared universe on television and like it being, from what I've heard, pretty like decent at least in terms of like making sure things tied together and yeah that part's true and just to see it go out with such a whimper after like canceling you know show after show it's just like yeah flash is the only one that's getting an actual ending i think the funniest part of this is that they only made these shows because they couldn't use the cards they wanted to use like arrow they wanted to make a batman show but couldn't use batman so they just made it everything about batman but just named him oliver queen okay who, who's a good person to go join batman superman we can't use him Okay, we just have to have every trait possible of the Superman. We'll just put him in the Flash instead. Like, that's what these shows are. It's Batman, Superman, like the whole, even the whole hope thing. Like that's all Barry. It's Barry Allen's like main theme in the show is hope. It's so funny that the the stupid way the rights are for Warner Brothers is like DC characters, or at least at the time, because I think they've changed now. But like, because they're moving around. Yeah, because then, like, you know, saying, like, that with, like, Superman, a year later after The Flash, you get Supergirl, and then, like, the second season, they're able to introduce Superman, and then Superman eventually got his own show. I'm just like, what? <laughs> Which is funny, that's what The Flash was supposed to be. It's just, it's so wild. <laughs> and what's funny about that to me is, like, things like, like, Gotham, they couldn't use Joker, they had to use Jerome and Jeremiah. It's, it's crazy, just, like, what they could and couldn't use. <laughs> Like he was the he, he was the Joker. They just couldn't dye his hair green, so they had pitch black with like green lights on it, so it looked green lighting, stuff like that. It's wild to me, uh, but yeah, I agree. The show I think, I think it's a sad thing overall because whether you like whether you like the Flash or not, it's still 
Like, that's an end of a whole era of TV. Yeah. So that, that's crazy. We have Kang Boy news. Kang Boy? Kang Boy? Kang Boy! <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Loveness, who wrote Quantumania, was tapped to do Kang Dynasty, the script, um, and he is no longer going to be writing that film. Probably because of the critical reception to Quantumania, which I think he was pigeonholed, like we talked about this before, into making a Fantastic Four movie, but couldn't do that really. There was a lot of different problems that that movie got, but both of us enjoyed the movie overall. Yeah, so. I think... I think the, the like it's a lot of factors that probably went into it uh, could be like, you know, the size of the project and like, you know, like all the parameters behind it, the reception and stuff. But yeah, uh, the only reason that I not happy, but like I'm fine with this is that the more I think about Quantumania, the more the biggest problem to me is how so much of it is just manic clockwork plot. Like there's very little like time for actual like just character moments or just moments that aren't just people being like here's exposition here's exposition here's explain what i'm doing now here's what i'm going to do and like this will just be like could hopefully be something different because i think the reason that it was kind of like that is when you're working on like a lot of sitcom television like it kind of has to be mag plot and jokes because that's it's such a short runtime but for a movie that's not really how it should be here's the thing the problem with quantum mania was not him being a rick and morty writer which people keep thinking is the case also like that's not that that's that really is not learn anything about tv (laughs) writing and that is not the reason right it's actually impressive that you can write multiple things and still have the tone correctly him leaving or being fired however it went down not writing it also this could involve writer strike issues too it could be that also it could absolutely be that Uh, he had to stop writing because that and then also they're gonna move on to someone else because you know maybe someone decided to be a scab and started writing you never know yeah we don't know the situation fully. I just think that it's complicated and it sucks because I think he at least wrote Kang as a dialogue wise really well. Yeah. I am who's Kang, who I need to be. These kind of lines like that would hit really hard in, in Quantum Mania. And I would have enjoyed seeing more of that kind of uh, gravitas given to the character. I think King was under was underpowered and underused a bit in Quantum Mania, but I don't really care because he still felt threatening to me. He felt like an imposing person. Yeah, I think, like, when it comes to characters like Kang and Ant-Man, like, he really understood them, like, and how to, like, you know, make them, like, you know, true to themselves. But yeah, it, just, it really came down to just a lot of factors that probably weren't even, like, like his decision on stuff. But speaking of the WGA strike, the writer's strike, a few different films have, and works have suspended right now. Aziz Ansari who you might know from Parks and Records comedy or whatever, uh, his second attempt at a directorial debut, Good Fortune, starring Keanu Reeves and Seth Rogen, has suspended filming indefinitely until the writer's strike ends. I don't know if that was his decision or not. It might be, because I'm pretty sure he's a WG member as well, because he's written for numerous things. And also, Josh, this one's going to pain you a bit, but it's good in the long run. Ready for it? Maybe. According to Francesca Orsi from HBO, they were looking to debut Last of Us Season 2 in 2025, but that will probably change now to the writer's strike. I'm more than fine with that. But it's also, a, you, want it, you want it now, though, don't you? I would, of course, I would want it as soon as I could get it. But if I can get it with actual good quality, I will happily take that. I agree with that statement fully. Scorsese news. This is the wildest sentence to me. Ready for it? I don't know. Martin Scorsese has met with the Pope and announced that he will make a film about Jesus. It's like, dude, you've already made one before with Willem Dafoe. How do you feel about this, though? 
I'm just curious, like, exactly what kind of movie is it going to be? Jesus on Ice. <laughs> like, it's just, like, I think he's Catholic. And so I'm just curious, like, what kind of movie is this going to be? Because, like, his, I don't want to say his Passion of the Christ, but that's, like, the time period that story was set. Like, from what I've heard, is a pretty effective telling of that story. So, like, you mean Last Edition of Christ? No, I'm saying that that's what his movie is. Um, I'm saying, I was just thinking, like, The Passion of the Christ, like, that movie, like, because that was, you know, the death of everything. Like, that's what his story was also about, but before then. Right. I hope it's Lego Jesus. <laughs> maybe, maybe he's, maybe he's beating Mel Gibson to uh, The Passion of the Christ oh, sequel no. and, wants, and wants to make his version before his comes out. <laughs> it's Jesus into the Christiverse. Oh, Lord. <laughs> How to Train a Dragon casting. It's Mason Thames from the Black Phone. We'll be playing Hiccup Horrendous Haddock III. And Nico Parker, who played Sarah in The Last of Us as Astrid. So I think this will be ended for the live action remake of How to Train a Dragon. I think the way to sell this movie is drone shots. Tons of drone shots. If they implement like dr- the drone footage, like how Michael Bay used drones in Ambulance, in ambulance? I think yeah. it could be really cool. This movie, to me, I don't think should have existed the way it's working. I think it should have been, instead of a remake of the movie, it should have been an adaptation of the book. Like, like, a, like an actual adaptation. Yeah, but then you couldn't get, like, you know, like, big dragon flying scenes and stuff like that. There are still some. There's still some, but it wouldn't be as much. And you, would, you wouldn't, you'd have sassy uh, Toothless. <laughs> sassy Toothless. <laughs> yeah, sassy little runt toothless who talks to him Look, in dragon language. As long as the kid that plays Hiccup has the same nasally voice as Jay Baruchel does, that's all I want. That's all I ask. Dub him over with Jay Baruchel. <laughs> I was hoping they would do an adaptation of the book, but then it, we saw we were going to have Astrid as a character. That's obviously a movie-only character. I can't remember the book before. She's a combination. Astrid is, is a combination of like, two different characters from the book series combined into one person. I read a lot of the books as a kid. I did not remember that. You should read them again. That's what requires work, and I already have so many books I need to read. Josh, it's a, he's always delayed, delaying on finishing media. He's trying to start. Yeah. Our last piece of news today involves Arnold Schwarzenegger. Two things with him, actually. Two? The first thing is that he says he is officially done with Terminator. Oh, no. Like, he will welcome back. I know. Like, he was asked about it. That's why he, it was like, he didn't just bring it up out of nowhere. Uh, he said, the franchise is not done, but I am done. The franchise should be done. They just keep redoing the first movie over and over again. It doesn't work. True. But also, it's nice to hear him say, I'm going to step away from this stuff. Because Mark Hamill also said recently the same thing about Luke. He's like, I'm, I'm done with the role. But, and it's good to let your, like, the character move on if you want to, but move on. You can do new stories. You can do something else. Whatever. But that's not the main piece of news here with Arnold Schwarzenegger. The other piece of news I want to talk about is saying he would love to join the MCU if the role is right. And I've been thinking about this. That would be interesting for sure. What would he be? Give him Craven. Ooh, Craven Sr. <laughs> Daddy Craven. Daddy, Daddy Crave. You said that, not me. <laughs> There's a, I mean, he could be Sandman. I don't care. Well, you also got to think, like, you know, he's in his, like, late 70s. Like, there's only so much, like, action stuff he can still do. Some people have said Magneto, which would be interesting because he's Austrian. He is Austrian. That's true. Um, like there was, and I know Magneto is from Germany, but not Austria, but close enough. Like, I mean, geographically similar. 
some people have said he could be an older version of cable, which also could work for if you want to do an MCU cable. Sure, I don't. You don't know. You don't need extreme range for that part. I don't. I don't think that Arnold's a bad actor. I think his his range is limited, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Some people have said cast him as as Nicholas Fury Senior because if you're not aware, Nicholas Fury Senior is a white man. Oh yeah, I was just like well, he can't be his dad for a number of reasons. <laughs> what are you talking about? What were you talking about? I was, that's what I was like at first. <laughs> you know, when someone says senior, that usually means like they're someone's father. He is. What? It's, it's, uh-huh. I, what? So. I know that I a whole, there was, you know, the Fury of the Ultimate Universe and the Fury of the main universe. Uh-huh, the main universe Fury. And he's uh, his dad? It, uh-huh. And the, they both the main, have eye patches? What? And they both have eye patches on the same eye. <laughs> yes. What? Uh, they wanted to make Nick Fury in the main universe look like the Nick Fury in the Ultimate Universe, so they made him that he made him they made him the son of the Ultimate Fury. So he, it's not the same one from the Ultimate Universe. No. But they still have the eye patch on the same eye. They both had similar accidents. But would you be cool with Arnold joining the MCU at some point? I think it'd be neat. I think they would need to find the right role for him. That That's not just like a one but wouldn't it be like, you know, he'd be overstaying his welcome. How do you treat your dragon cast? Yay or nay? Uh, I'll give it yay. I give nay, not because the casting's bad, but just because I'm not promised drone shots yet. Until I'm promised incredible FPV drone shots, I'm going to give every piece of news a nay. We are moving into our main topic, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And if you have not seen the movie yet, do not worry. We'll not put spoilers in the beginning. We'll make it very clear when spoilers will be taking place. But that'll be pretty early on in this part because I feel like there's a lot to talk about we can't talk, that we can't talk about until spoilers, I feel like. Like most of the movie. We can give like general gists and vibes and yes. stuff, but no big, no big pl- like plot thing. We'll say first off, yay or nay on this movie? Hard yay. That's called a hooray, folks. Uh, yeah. Yay. Yay, yay, yay. Like, I didn't th- I didn't think it was possible to come cl- even close to the first one. And the fact this movie probably surpassed it is kind of a miracle. When I first saw the first Spider- Spider-Verse film, I was a little bit underwhelmed walking to the theater the first time. Like, everyone was saying it was like, a perfect movie, like, making a better than the the world. And I didn't, it didn't hit me more until I watched it on rewatches. But this one, immediately, I'm like, this is amazing. Incredible in every way. I love this movie. Like walking out of the theater, it absolutely stunning. I was in awe watching this. The art in this movie is so amazing. This this truly pushes the boundaries of what's possible with animation. It just honestly kind of makes everything look like a pale in comparison compared to it. That's not to say like other anime movies in the past several years don't look good. They look good. But I said this in my review I posted on YouTube, like, it de- it never makes me go, like, wow, what else could be possible? But seeing this, it makes me go, like, what else can be done? Like, it genuinely, like, makes me want to know, like, how much farther can we go? It's crazy. Like, this is going to inspire so many people to go into animation in, like, whatever form or fashion. Because now, it's not just you either go hand-drawn or you go 3D. You can literally mesh the two together, like, distort them and twist them and form them with something else and, like, make your own thing. And it could be in a movie like this. Uh, there's even... Uh, I'm not going to explain a scene in this. But there's a scene in this movie that is fully animated by a 14-year-old kid on YouTube. 
it's just like I have so many questions as to how. The fact that they were just impressed by his kid's skills and decided, yeah, you want to do this? And he said, yes. Like, that's amazing to me. Like, we can't say what the scene was because it's a cool moment. I don't want to spoil that moment. But there's a lot of cool things. If you excited this movie for cameos or from other Spider-Mans, other Spider-Mans or other Spider-Sonas from different versions, you'll see most of the ones you want to see in this movie. It, it, but it's not like how like how the Flash is marketing itself of just like, here's this character, here's this character, here's the thing you recognize. Like, they're there as a presence, but they're not, like, dominating the story. This movie ends up fixing two plot holes from other movies. I know the one that you're talking about. What's the other one? It fixes a problem in Morbius, and it, and it fixes a MCU issue, which I can't, I can't do right now. But, like, there's... This movie is so amazing, it fixes other movies' issues. I don't even think they intended to fix it with Morbius. It just kind of happened that way. It just happened. But this explains something in that film and fixed an issue with that film. Only one issue. Keep that in mind. It has a lot of issues. <laughs> it does not make Morbius a good movie, but it at least makes no. me not want to bang my head against the wall more than I for, already do. For one thing. Okay, let's talk about some character stuff. This is a movie, people keep playing it because it's half a movie. It is part one. If you want to expecting to have part one, the whole movie wrapped up perfectly, it doesn't wrap up perfectly. But it does still have three acts. Does the third act cut short? Can, can I just say something to the people? You, you hear that trilogy, The Lord of the Rings? Um, yeah, that's a three-parter series. Uh, it None of the films have an actual conclusion, but they still have the three-act arc. So, you know, if you're going to be mad at this, be mad at that one, too. This is like Two Towers. This is no, And it's also like Fellowship. What do you mean? Fellowship still ends on like a pretty big cliffhanger. Yeah, I'm, no, I mean, like, the way the story is structured, though, it feels... Like, well, no, the, like, yeah, like, Empire, Two Towers, like, those, like, kind of, like, I guess a little bit of Back to Feature 2. I am really happy this film was made, though. This is beautiful. So this movie, except for, it's it's a two-parter movie, so I can get the full things you want, but there are also some character arcs that are fully complete. Gwen has a fully complete character arc. Yeah, like, this is as much as Gwen's film as it is Miles's. Miles is still the I'd main... I'd say more Gwen, personally. Because Miles' arc isn't fully complete, as we I'd say, but Gwen's is. Yeah. Also, if you want to, if you want like family stuff, this is to me the highlight of this, all this, this movie is Miles' relationship with his parents. That's the best part. Yeah, it's amazing. Let's talk about some spiders. There's a few of them in this. Did you have without spoiling things? The only things that are in the trailers we're gonna talk about for this kind of stuff, non-spoiler stuff, and I guess some merch we've already talked about earlier in the podcast. Was there anyone who stuck out to you of, like, I'm so glad that they're here? That's fun. Uh, of course, I love seeing Peter B. Parker back um, with a baby. That was very fun. Mayday Parker. Uh, that was, She was adorable. Um, I think the standouts for me were uh, Spider-Punk and Spider-Man India. I think that those two were just so much fun. I love seeing people say, like, Spider-Man India is the only Spider-Man that doesn't have depression. <laughs> I just thought that was really funny. But also, that's kind of explained in this movie, too. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Some stuff happens. Oof. Amazing. Cool. I can't talk like that much without spoiling things. But, okay. Like, I love the bit about the chai tea thing. That's great. Chai tea is, chai is chai tea. Means you're, tea. You're saying tea tea. What is even brought up earlier, it's a reference to a small moment that Myla says earlier about, an, why do people say ATM machine? Oh, my God. That's I didn't realize that there's you again, didn't realize that no again, this is what's so cool about it is like not just like the visual like you know stuff there's like just so many like well crafted jokes and setups throughout the films that's just like that's so cool to see on rewatch 
So I was like, if you're like Josh, you don't catch things right away. You'll catch it again eventually. I don't catch a lot of things at first. Or your friends will just tell you the joke later on, like this on a podcast. And you're like, oh, okay. That is true. Um, I really loved Gwen in this movie. Her, the way her character is in this is so, so cool and just refreshing. Like, I, I, in the, in the scope of like superhero stuff, cause this really like gets down to like, I guess her struggles, I guess, and, a lot, and just a lot of like personal things that you don't really get to see that often. One thing about this movie, both this one and the last one, is that even if you have bigger voice actors, like Haley Steinfeld, like in the last one we had Nick Cage and stuff, you're not hearing Nick Cage or Haley Steinfeld. They're actually being their characters. Yes. And it, it, I get sold on that really fast. Like, even if I recognize the voice, I'm just settling into who they are. Like, some people complain that Chris Pratt is on like Chris Pratt and Mario. But in this, the stars feel like the characters. They're fully getting into it. Oh, yeah. Like, I really loved it. Like, Shamik Moore as Miles, he's just... So good. He is just amazing as the character. Like, he is a fully grown man, but I hear a child. And I'm not saying that, in, like, in a bad way. <laughs> I'm saying that it just, like, he really gets, like, how to play as someone this age. One thing I want to touch on about the art in this movie is about aging characters. Much like in the How to Train Your Dragon films, um, which the age curves up every incrementally each time well... They did the same thing here. It's been, it's been a year and four months since the first film. I say the end of the movie. And, yeah, they say, since the first film. No. And they aged Miles up appropriately. Like, it made him look that much older. And that's really cool. Also, he'll keep complaining, why does he have a new suit? Because he grew. The the boy, he's still a child. He's still growing. He's his, he's going to need to keep keep making new suits. Probably every few months. Like, the I'm willing to bet Peter Parker did the same thing. And they point out how his suit change is not... People in the movie don't love his suit change. They're just like, are you bleeding? Why are you bleeding from the armpits? <laughs> it's they're making fun of him for it because not every Spider-Man suit in games and comics and stuff is perfect either. And sometimes it's fun to have some not as good suits to kind of riff on. And that's fun. I like that. I think that Haley Steinfeld, who been playing Gwen, was described that her world is like a mood ring. It, it's so cool to like and I was it really re- is i was paying attention to that a lot more on the rewatch and when you see like those like scenes like really get like heightened and very emotional the world drowns out and it just becomes like the colors of pure emotion like all the lines and textures of the world fade out and it just becomes the colors i'm just like that's such a cool attention to detail i love it um and people are so, so i know i saw one complaint that miles's world uh his universe of 1610 feels a bit blurrier sometimes and one person brought up that that they that they predict in the next one it'll become clearer miles less life becomes clearer well there's so many yeah. small things like that that are probably playing so much into I, our, every decision is so purposeful in this movie or or like another prime example like spider-punk's animation is constantly like changing and being different because that's how his character is like he doesn't abide by he's not anything. consistent he's not he literally says i'm not consistent also, if you, if you can, maybe go to a caption screening because a Spider-Punk slash Hobie Brown is very British in this. He's, he's got a very thick Cockney accent. And it's interesting. Uh, I missed some things you were saying, but I'm definitely on board with him. Da- Daniel Kaluuya as, as Spider-Punk is just so good in this. He got to, he got to use his actual accent again. <laughs> they keep not making him use his accent. Now he gets to. And it's just like, I'm going to do it, but you're not going to be able to understand me. Good enough. One complaint I have about this movie is not enough John Mulaney or Nick Cage. Like, not enough, this, not enough Spider-Ham or Noir. This this is true. But we still got some Jake Johnson, which I'm always happy to get some Jake Johnson. 
You hear here, folks. Josh loves that Johnson. G- give me, Oops. give me, give me that J- Jake Johnson. <laughs> Josh, you know what Johnson means a dick, right? Yes, I'm aware. I was trying to go further with the joke. I thought you were oblivious. I've, I'm oblivious Either of way, some things. I know what? what a penis is. There you go, everyone. <laughs> there, there's a new audio clip for you. If I don't cut it out. <laughs> oh my god, leave that in. Josh and his Johnson. Um, that, <laughs> anyway. That's getting cut. <laughs> what? I said that part's getting cut. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm editing this one now. No! <laughs> <laughs> I am really, really happy with the way the story went as well. I've heard some, some complaints that the story is not as much the direction they want it to go i really love this the, the path of this film and it's two hours and 20 minutes so you actually get to have like weights to every action which is nice it's not like rushing through like the mario movie was yeah and this is this is like what i was talking about with ant-man earlier like it doesn't feel like it's mag clockwork plot like yes when they're you know talking and stuff like they are exploring their characters further but it feels like it's a character like moment they're not like here's exposition about x thing here's exposition about this thing like we get to understand who these people are like it's very nice and refreshing and there's so many small moments that are just so sincere and sweet and nice the, the whole scene of, like, Miles and Gwen just, like, being up again after not seeing each other for a year and then, like, just hanging upside down under Billing and talking. It's so good. We get to learn more about Gwen and her family and her Peter and stuff. And it's always nice to see those small details and learn more about people's backstory. And that's not a spoiler. It opens with Gwen and her past in life. We get consequences of the last film. Things happen and not in the way one expects. And things do happen. All I will say is that there are now two multiverse films where a bagel is integral to bad things happening. We should cut that and say it in spoilers still, I feel like. What are people going to take from that? They'll know the moment, but they're not going to understand what it means. Fair enough. Uh, there's also, this is not a spoiler either, they have the ice cream pop, the Spider-Man classic ice cream cone pop thing, in a flying toward Miles at one point. I just want to know how Miguel convinces, you know, the spider people that, you know, can't talk words into joining, like, spider cat, spider T-Rex, the popsicle, like, how do you get them to go along with this? Through love. It's like, I know I shouldn't question it, but it's just funny to think about him trying to talk to them. Maybe he just took them. He's a thief. I mean, he is part vampire. Which I have, I have questions about that because <laughs> I don't know much about him. <laughs> Miguel O'Hara. Yes, I know. I know like bits about him. I know he doesn't have like the traditional powers, and uh, I, this is when I first learned he's a vampire. Which I have questions about that. <laughs> I love that Miguel O'Hara. Uh, that we saw two of him in this movie. Oh yeah, we did. The Spider Man Twenty Nine from, from the TV show Spider Man Twenty Nine was at one point like behind him and beside him. Oh, I didn't. I didn't see that now. Yeah, like, there's going to be numerous, there's, that's one thing about like, this movie a lot, is that people complain that, like, this isn't how I, how I think Miles should be. There's probably a thousand more Mileses, or a million more. I, I don't this, this version of Gwen. There's a million more probably in this movie in the background. Like, it's, this is just, they're not, this is th- these versions of them. Like, they clearly, like, are, like, there's nothing that says, like, you know, these are, like, the main characters. Because, like, you should be able to tell, like, they're not, like, the main versions. It's like, there's... A million Peter Parkers is a million of all of them. That's kind of the point of it. Yeah, it's like if you you don't like Tom Holland's, there's still, you know, Andrews or Toby's or like all the other ones out there. Anyone can wear the mask. 
I also love the method of this movie that your fate is in your own hands. Yeah, and they I, and again on rewatch they kind of tease that like early on, like in the in the meeting with his parents. Like again, it's it's the little and things. This isn't a spoiler. That's in the in the trailer. Like Miles is like iconic line from the trailers. Everyone's telling me how my story is supposed to go, but it's my story or whatever. Like, you know that's that's in the trailer. That's kind of the whole theme of the movie. It's like how in the trailer for the first one. They had the whole like it's a, it's a leap of faith, Miles, that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I, spoilers. Uh, yeah. Anything I guess you want to so. say? Oh my God, Josh, such a good movie. It really is. What do you think happened in this movie? A lot of stuff happened. Are you? Do you want me to like go into like the plot? No, hold on. I want to bring up something I talked to you about before the podcast, like off air, and that was the fact that a long time ago. We had a news piece that Jason Schwartzman was going to be playing the spot. And there were news pieces just reported that he'll be a spot in, in Across the Spiders. And everyone assumed he was going to be like one of multiple characters, like or villains or background people, or, or a literal villain of the week. And I said to you, he's going to be the main villain. And I was right. You were indeed right. And he was great as the spot. Jason Schwartzman was hilarious. And the fact that, like, well, I can't work now, so life of crime. <laughs> it's- <laughs> Phil Lord and Chris Miller just kind of, they understand how the comics work, and they play that to their strengths in this. It's incredible. We get to have fucking spectacular Spider-Man. He's back, and he's so short. <laughs> he says his own line. Well, we never got to see that Spider-Man grow up, so we he, so the animation never grew up with him. It's just, it's just funny, because like when he shows up and like he says his line, there's someone sitting next to him. He is so much short compared to them, and I just find it funny. I'm pretty sure that version of Spider-Man was like 5'5 five, five or something like that. Like 5'8. He is still growing. I mean... He, he, he was sophomore. Something like that. Again, I'm not complaining. I just think it's funny. Yeah. Also, he gets a line. He gets a line! Uh, also, we get to see that Gwen... Uh, his version of Captain Stacy also died. Which didn't happen in the show. I mean, we got to see a little bit more of future events with him. I said, I hope that this somehow convinces whoever it is, Disney or whoever, to bring it back. They're not going to. Like, God, that'd be so nice. It was just really, really cool seeing a lot of people like this in the movie. Again, it's not just for fan service, though. Like, there's just actual good moments that show heart from different characters' point of views. I loved it. I really loved it. I don't know what to say besides I love it, Josh. I want to see it a thousand more times. God, it's just... It's so well done. And I just... Uh, the opening fight, when you have Renaissance-era vulture fighting gwen and it's done in like that i don't even know how to describe it but his animation in that like paper mache style whatever it is is so cool well they clearly based that art style off of da vinci's uh flying man yeah you know you don't you don't talk about right the little, the yeah yeah, yeah. i, I, I know at, exactly yeah. what you're talking about it's just god again when i saw that i was just like this is gonna be amazing i already know it it's gonna be so cool we also find out that Gwen's version of Peter basically was spectacular Spider-Man Harry Osborn. Yeah, he turned. Yeah, he was. He didn't have powers. He drank a green thing and then he turned into the lizard. There's- My brain went blank. I'm like, what, what are I talking about now? And they're like, just like, you see a part when the thing and the, mm, yeah. <laughs> God, there's there's so. Uh... Okay, I'm gonna address one thing first before we move forward. Y'all, it's Pride Month. If people want to interpret it, interpret this version of Gwen Stacy as trans. 
let them. It's art. You very well could. It they're they are the trans colors, but it's also a very cool aesthetic of colors. It, There's even evidence if, for it in the movie. Yeah, even if they never confirm it, like it's art. You can interpret it that way if you want to. Oh, well, she has she has a protect trans kids sign and slash flag banner above her in her room, and her entire world is only trans colors. The entire movie, like whenever they see her world, and people are like we have the color of her suit. I'm like, well, if she is trans, she might have might have made the suit the colors of her flag. And like, there's a lot of this dialogue and evidence to support that claim. Also, maybe her Peter was was a trans man, and that's why he felt out of place, and that's why he tried to overcompensate things. Like, there's interpretations there that could be made. This is how art works, people. And people are really mad at the idea that's even being possible. Like, like people trans like trans people aren't in any media pretty much at this point. Let, let them have something. Like, they can't have one version of one spider character. And also, you insecure man children. This is the multiverse, infinite. This is one version. Oh. You, there's a, a viral TikTok going around as well, and it's talking about how there's so much forced diversity in this movie. It's like, mother... F- uh, what? <laughs> in a movie where everything... There's walking pig people? Like, what do you mean? I just... I can't with people sometimes. It's like, we went to, we went to India, and there's Indian people. Like, what, okay, first off, it's Mumbai, Mumbai, Manhattan combined, not even India. Come on. It's a different universe. And again, different universe. Like, why... If go- you knew that this was not starring your typical white man, and, like, you're still getting mad at it. And it's still got a million Peter Parkers. Like, you, <laughs> get, you get your handful of white people, be happy. <laughs> uh, Andy Samberg as Ben Riley was really funny. <laughs> and felt like a jab at the 90s, because when he was created, a lot of people hated Ben Riley's first like, introduction as a character. Because it's part of the clone song, and all that bullshit. I, I love and just thinking about, like, how dumb the way that all went down. I think it's really cool we got to see Spider-Man's in therapy. Let me guess. Your uncle died? How'd you know? Like, <laughs> that's great. The idea of also poking fun at fans with the whole idea of canon was yeah. great. Because the movie hinges on the idea that there are events that are set in time. This will happen events for your world. It's like your un- your uncle will die or like a big family member will die. A uh, captain uh, in your life will die saving a child. And it's not the same events for every single person. They're the ones that are where, like, this has to happen. Like My- like Miles's big like family death that like pushed him was... Um, uncle Aaron. A- yeah, Uncle Aaron, the Prowler. Like that's what pushed him. And then, you know, for Peter, it was Uncle Ben. For Gwen, it was Peter. It's really cool. And the idea that there are set points in time and everything else is kind of loose and you can change things... It's fascinating. And the idea that Miles says, no, fuck that. He's going to stop that. I love that detail. Because in real life, yeah, we, we have free will to, uh, to our own knowledge. Why not? I've, I've heard people be like, why aren't like the live action ones in here? And someone was just like, well, considering the events of No Way Home, I feel like Tom Holland's peer would very much be on Miles' side. And so that's probably why Miguel didn't go get him. <laughs> Tom Holland's Peter wasn't invited by Miguel. What do you mean? <laughs> he even he, he even complained. Don't even get me started on that kid from sixteen to uh, nineteen ninety nine ninety nine. Yeah, it's which it's, is amazing. No one in the theater got that joke besides me. I was mad. <laughs> I love how this movie makes it so that this universe's Miles wasn't supposed to be Spider Man. That wasn't supposed to happen. That he that he is an anomaly. Yeah, it's even built on from the first movie. Uh, you can see the spider there is 42 on that one. I guess it, it was consistent. And he, that spider glitches, which I always thought was weird because that never like addressed it. And it's addressed in this, and it makes sense because when you're not in your universe, you glitch out. 
Well, wasn't that first the first fighter in the first movie? Didn't it come? I thought it was like with the collider and stuff. It came there from from that. So that's because that's what the spot was talking about. Um, it came from that universe. And that's why it was glitching out because it wasn't right. his universe. Like in the first one, I was interpreted the glitching as just the energy still from that collider. I mean, it's yeah, you can interpret it that way. But now there's an actual like reason that it was glitching. It's out. a retcon, but a fun one. It's a retcon that makes sense. Yeah. I loved it. I think that's a really cool detail. I love when Miles met Miles at the end. That was, uh, I'm so curious how that's going to go. Who's Spider-Man? What are you talking about? That was great. I love Spider-Punk's character just the whole time. He was just, he was a blast to watch. Hobie Brown is amazing. What? And a cool character. What, um, what an icon. You're not, what are you talking about? You're not going to get my secret identity. <laughs> Two scenes later, mask off. See, sees a can of events happening. What's that? He's, Hobie sees it. It's a metaphor for capitalism. Yep. <laughs> love him. One thing I really love about this movie, though, is the detail into cultures. There is a lot like, of good detail, yeah. Like, Spider-Man India, in the comics, looks a lot more like a generic Peter Parker suit. Yeah, he does. And they they got the actor, who was also in Deadpool. He was, what's his name? In he movie? was Dopinder. I love Dopinder. him. He's great. They got Dopinder, the actor for that. He was uh, in This is Spider-Man India. And they actually asked him questions and said, brought him in and said, what would be a better way to address their community to the, the culture here? And then he, they actually just listened to his suggestions and implemented them in the movie so it felt more accurate. I love that. That's amazing. Was he able to like make his own webs or was like the thing, the thing that he was using? Um, I, I don't know what it's called. It was a thing that like rolled on the webs. Like, is that like kind of like a hook line thing? Like, I'm he, not sure. Because because it looks like that, like, you know, he like threads the webs like onto that and like throws it. So I don't know if like he makes the webs himself or if like that's just something that he uses as a part of it. I think it comes from his like, web shooter stuff, okay. like his bangles or whatever. I, I think that's how it is for most spider people. But that's still it's this cool regardless. Like the, the details are fantastic. And the fact that they pointed to the museum or the building and like, and here's a bridge to all our stuff. Uh, it's so, it's so it's such a good detail because fuck the the UK taking like all, everyone's stuff, yeah. the British Museum. I was thinking about this earlier uh, in the very first teaser for the movie when Miles is going through different dimensions. He takes on the form of the art style of that universe. So I'm wondering if that was like an idea that they originally had, but then they changed it, or if that's something that we'll see in the next movie. Because when he goes to like Spider-Man India's universe or any of the other ones, he, his art style stays the same. That's a good question. Because we, because when we see like the live action characters in this, they're in live action. When you see Donald Glover as Prowler, it's just Donald Glover. Let's address that for a second. We finally got Donald Glover as Prowler. <laughs> I fully believe that he is the MCU version. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. And that is the plot hole I was talking about earlier with the MCU. Was that um, Nikhil Clayton brought it up? I'm like asking, why have we not seen Prowler again? And the reason why he was captured. <laughs> He got sucked through. He got sucked through a magical hole, and now he's here. And that's also the thing that I said before with Morbius being fixed. The problem is that the Vulture getting pulled out of the MCU is not how the spell worked from Doctor Strange's spell in No Way Home. That's not what that spell would do at all. But now he looks like now it appears that he's just an anomaly, and got pulled out for different reasons, which yes. is an actual retcon that makes sense and fixes the plot hole in a live action movie. And that's amazing. And you might be saying. But, Sean, those are just a lot of live-action movies. It doesn't tie in. But we see in this movie also that there are live-action characters in the movie, but also more than that, 
they show the multiverse visually the same way Loki and, and Loki does. It, the the literal like tree of like the timeline like shows like the up exact first. same way, the same the, visuals, the same design. Like they did that with intention. It's the way to tie all these movies and universes together to help Sony and Disney both out in the in the long run. And again, they reference Doctor Strange and the events of No Way Home. Those details are great. And like I said, it fixes the problem in Morbius, which makes me happy. Only one, though, unfortunately. <laughs> I want to point out to you, in the you've seen a, maybe probably many of the posters, right? Uh, there's a lot of posters. Yes. There's one poster I'm thinking of in particular right now. I want you to pull up. Um, it's the one where Miles is hanging, up, hanging upside down with all the people behind him. Do you know what I'm referring to? Yes, the main one. Yeah, look that up for a second. I want to hear something. Point, point something out to you. It's just like the standard poster, like not the bigger yeah, one? Yeah, So what, what about the standard poster do you want me to see? On the left is everyone against him. On the right is everyone on his side. Whoa. That's yep. such a cool detail. And that's that's the theory for going forward into beyond. Is that that's because that it seems like that probably is true based on that picture. No, that I'm looking at the like extended one with more of them. On the left is uh Spider-Man PS4. I don't want that. I want him to be on his side. <laughs> But hey, we got spectacular Spider-Man. He'll be he'll be on his side, so that's cool. It looks this is the case. Um, it looks like Spider-Man Unlimited is on his side, which okay, sure. That's cool, right? I like that. That's a cool, that's a fun detail. If that, it looks like that will probably be true, based on we have you know Spider Hobie and Gwen and probably Spider-Man India are going to gravitate towards uh, Miles because also Miles saved both people on it, Spider-Man India's side. Yeah, I think so, I think Spider-Man that. India is not going to be too happy when when he finds out like, oh yeah, by the way, your girlfriend's dad was supposed to die, <laughs> and, they, and and Miguel wanted that to happen. But I loved because the first poster was so intentional with the him falling upwards. That's why I think this poster is so intentional as well. The yeah. main poster of having it be one side versus the other. But it's it's not like not even a thing that you really like think of at first, right? Isn't that cool? Yes. I think it's interesting because this is this, the plot of this. It's very similar to that of, or the the ultimate question at the end of the movie is for the size and stuff. It's similar to that of Loki, because oh, he yeah. who remains operates the same way Miguel does of the trying to trim the multiverse, trying to keep it the same, and, and you know keep it the way that it needs to run. They're serving the exact same purpose, and Miles is serving the exact same purpose as Sylvie. That's so true. But it's it's strange to think of like the the size differences of it because M- with Miguel it's literally like one life versus like you know every everything and then with well Loki, it could with, affect everything still yeah but with Loki it's literally like taking out timelines and universes so that way just the one stays true. What's funny to me is that it, Sylvie said "fuck it, we're gonna give free will to everyone," and Miles says "fuck it, I give free will to me." <laughs> But no, it's great. I love that that parallel because Miguel even shows the timeline the same way that He Who Remains does. The, it gets those details are so purposeful and beautiful. Yeah. Um, are you on board with future sequels to this movie more? Would you want more? That's what I keep debating on because I feel like that the specific story they're going for should end with the third one. But like m- movies for like say Miles or Gwen or like the other characters, I would love to see that. It's it's a very weird thing like to think. So of. right right after this movie came out, we got the announcement of Miles will be in a live action movie soon, probably in Spider uh, Madam Web. It looks like no, he's getting his Which, own movie. That's I know, but th- oh. I know that. 
But I'm saying that it looks like he also has, in other movies too, he might. There's rumors that he'll be appearing in Madam Web now too, which is hilarious because Ben Wyatt, uh, what's his name? Adam um, Scott is going to be playing Ben Parker. And we talked about before about how the movie's about making sure he dies at the right time, <laughs> which would fall into this movie's idea. Okay. It, it would. Like, that's literally the point of this movie. T- that's the same thing. Is that movie? So, we talked about saying how Madam Web be about protecting the timeline to have Uncle Ben die in time for Peter to, you know, all the things to fall into place. And this movie is doing the same way. And this movie seems to be tying in the Spunk universe all properly. So, this might play into that movie, Josh. God, that's, that's weird. And my point about having live action Miles now is that we might get this same Miles, but in live action going forward at a certain point. But you see, that's what me, that's what's curious to me about it because this because what this movie confirms is that anything in live action is its own style, like and it can coexist with the animated people. So like it makes me wonder: Will it be this Miles, or will it be something different? And if so, will it be like a new Miles? Uh, will it be the MCU one? Or, you know, will it be this Miles? Did you enjoy seeing the cashier from Venom? I liked it, but I could tell both screens that people were just like, who is that? Because, <laughs> like, Venom, you know, made a, an okay amount, but not enough where people would just recognize that her. I recognized her. It's th- funny regardless. I think that scene works on its own, though, regardless. Yeah. I just kind of w- I think it would have been funnier if he interacted with Eddie Brock. I think that would have been a funnier way to do it. Just tell he pops in the same scene where Tom Hardy's going crazy at the bar. <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on? There's a man made of tin. He's in the sky. Ah, animated guy popping out at me. That would have been great. I agree. I want to see more sweaty at uh, Eddie Brock. <laughs> he is so sweaty in that first movie. It's so funny. I love it. Do you want to see, like, an animated version of Andrew or Tom or Toby in this movie? In these movies? I think if they show up, I think that'd be pretty neat. Again, I'll, again, given the context of this, they probably would show up in live action, which just has so many questions to me. I just don't want it to over... If that happens, I don't want it to overshadow, like, you know, Miles and the other people. I want them to be relegated, like, as much as the other, like, side characters are in this. All we need to do is, Miles, make your dad not be... Captain, problem so, solved. Your my, universe collapses, but it's fine. I think my money is they'll follow the comics where his dad will survive, but his mom will die. Probably. She gives she gives a lot of like like pep talks about love and stuff. I'm just like, you might be dead either in this one or the next one. <laughs> well, a theme in a lot of movies like this is that the universe has a way of correcting itself. That's true, and that's even part of like in uh, Endgame. They talk about how Tony says that. If you mess with time, time has a way to mess back. It's a tendency to do that. So I definitely think that it'll be a potential. If they, if they save a dad, you know, Uncle Aaron dies again. Like, something... <laughs> he just dies again? <laughs> yeah, something like, something like that. It's going to be crazy. I am really, really happy with the direction of this film. It's I do not so want the third one to be a... I'm worried that the third one might be a giant battle. And I don't want it to happen. But that's that's what's so curious to me about like what the third film is going to be like. Because Miles is stuck in the universe where his spire came from, where that version of Miles is the Prowler working with Uncle Aaron, who's alive. His dad is dead. Miguel is still hunting after him. And then Gwen is forming her own team and stuff. I'm just like, I don't know specifically where it's going to go. All I know is that I'm excited. So people keep saying that... Oh, I heard one thing because... There's no maybe no there's no powers potentially in this. We know there's no spider person in the other Miles' world where he's a prowler. 
There's no spider person. That was supposed to be Miles. But here's my thought there. Maybe his Prowler's not a villain. Because uh, Miles could still be a... It doesn't seem like that. <laughs> I, I don't know. We, we don't know yet. Because all we see is that he kidnapped or hurt. He, you know, he captured other Miles. Because he might be a nefarious person too. I like because I've seen the numerous fan theories both ways now of my of this Prowler being because Prowler in the comics is both a hero and a villain. From the, from the way the world is to the way that Aaron seems to be like working with him and like all this other stuff, I think that he is a that he is a villain. I don't know. It'd be fun to see that subverted. But either way, it's cool either way. I really really enjoy seeing these characters and these small details. It's just a well made. Oh, bagel. <laughs> I forgot. So, the spot, Jason Schwartzman, who, you know, Kyler said, you know, can't be doing work anymore, so, you know, crime, life of crime, uh, who's amazing, by the way, in this movie. He's fantastic. His holes will save the world. His holes are his power. Or destroy the world. Yeah, whatever. The holes will do something. But he he was one of the scientists that worked at Alchemax in the first movie, and he was the one that got hit with the bagel <laughs> that Miles threw in the first movie and then that set that set him on a path of revenge he got he got hit by the cloud in the first movie and so they, they quite literally did create each other and i think it it was such a cool way of how they like kind of like fused them together like at one point like in terms of like what each of them can see of each other and again just like this movie everything in it the spots animation like character is so cool i noticed especially on rewatch that he has the like unfinished like sketch lines of like when you create a character like you do like yeah. circles and lines so cool but then you like when you notice s- that I, yes again i'm not the most observant person um <laughs> But when you see, like, his perspective of his mind and flashbacks and stuff, like, the crude sketch way of it, it's so cool. This is also me, this isn't you. I'm surprised there's things you didn't notice like that. That's all. Oh, no. Um, I'm, I'm fully aware. I miss a lot of things. Oh, yeah. So I said earlier that there's a, a 14-year-old kid who animated a section of the movie himself. He animated a Lego World section of Spider-Man. And, like, it is of the quality of the Lego movie. Like, it's, it's kind of insane. Yeah, it's a slightly different style, but it's still amazing. Because he animated... He caught the eye of the animators because he animated for fun. The trailer of the first of this movie came out, and then he animated like a version of it. And they're like, that's good enough. You want to be one to do a section of the movie? And he's like, yeah. So that's amazing. And like this, I hope he got paid well. And it's not stop motion. It is like it is computer animation, but it's so you know highly detailed that it looks like it's stop motion, just like how the Lego movie was. Like it's... Yes. And it just makes me wonder, like... How much time did that take? And like, has he like how much has he done it before? And like all this other stuff, like it's crazy. Although I do want to point out though about how he's getting paid really well because some people are not getting paid enough for this movie. While the artists are not getting paid enough for this movie, uh, as well as you know people who created the characters it's based on are not getting paid enough for this movie, which really sucks. One of the co-creators of I think it's either Miguel O'Hara or Ben Riley. I don't know which one he created. Um, he is currently running a GoFundMe to afford life-saving treatment he needs, and it's like he. He, this movie is huge and it's shocking that that kind of stuff has to happen still it's it's so insane just like the way that all works of just like so i'm being, really yeah i'm i'm really hoping that uh the dg wga and, and sag help with some kind of things help the unions grow better and get more power yeah um this is also the longest western animated feature film so far and you don't feel that length not at all it goes so fast but like not in a bad way either it it doesn't drag anywhere. It takes time to write spots. It all is just paced so well. Like, Mario movie is a case of a movie just going way too fast for its own good. This is a case of going fast, but in a good way. 
like the scenes are there are the right length it slows down when it needs to slow down and it knows when to pick up the pace again it works very well i also love that clearly in this version miles and gwen have feelings for one another yes but gwen doesn't want to date miles because she knows she knows she's well she knows about the canon and the idea if a spider person dates gwen gwen tends to die it doesn't usually work out and that's also another thing that i thought of it's just like that's probably also why she hasn't gone back home because when she finds out about the canon and her dad is a captain she knows that like most likely he will die and she doesn't want to be there for that but now she also right and what's really cool about that that my favorite part of that whole thing is at the end of the movie she does go back to her dad again and then we find out he quits being a captain and then the and then the universe doesn't unravel still so it proves that the canon can be broken fuck i didn't think of that so she helped prove miles right that's crazy and it also proved that the ben at, at if you if you come out to your family or in in numerous different ways it could it can go well i thought a lot of people are talking about this whole thing as a metaphor for queerness or whatever because she comes out to her family, uh, her dad, afraid that the universe will literally implode. And it doesn't. And again, like, if you want to go into that even further, again, with the animation, when it's, you know, her revealing everything and it opening herself up, it's just becoming, like, pure emotions and everything. And when he, you know, reveals that information, literally, like, life comes back in, into, like, details of the world and everything. Like, it is, right. it's so well done. But I love that, the idea of she proves that Miles is right, that the canon can be broken and she can make her own destiny in some ways. And with universal stakes, tells her dad the truth. And it can like, and it, that realization is amazing to me. It's so good. But yeah, you, didn't realize, you didn't realize that before that uh, that she proved Miles is right? No, because I never really thought of that. Yeah, it's so cool, right? These small details that, just, that you just go over most people. I'm not, like, I'm not trying to keep asking you, like, you didn't think of that? I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just trying to clarify and what's cool about her about her realizing that the canon can be broken is that means the next movie she might she might realize that she can be with Miles that she might not die afterward. Ooh, this is true. right. Also, Brian Tyree Henry's amazing. He's so, he's so good in everything, and he's just he's he's, so he's, he's, he's such a good dad in this. Like he he has the dad tendencies down perfectly. Like Karan Sunny as Peter uh, Prabhakar as Indian Spider in India is so good. Uh, Mahershala Ali coming back again. What How, a fun surprise. What a great surprise. I love that. I love seeing Amar- Amanda Stenberg as uh, Spider-Bite. I love seeing Andy Samberg as Ben Riley. And yes, you're right. It was Jack Quaid. Ha That Peter Parker. Um, Rachel Drash, you might know from like SNL and stuff, uh-huh. was the, the counselor. Yeah, I, I found that out before the second rewatch. And on the second rewatch, I'm like, I hear it now. <laughs> It's so funny. And the fact that Counselor does wait for Miles is hilarious. Yeah. We also get J.K. Simmons back as Lego J. Jonah Jameson. Not just Lego. He's every universe. He's Jameson. <laughs> he's a Nexus being. <laughs> the, one uh, con- the one consistency through it all is J. Is J. Jonah Jameson is J.K. Simmons. <laughs> any last thoughts on this movie before we move on, Josh? Uh, it's very good. I love it to death. I think that it's probably better than the first. Uh, that's just my take on it. Um, no complaints here. All good, bro. Uh, this is probably in my top two or three favorite Spider-Man movies now. It's, I have not, I might rearrange my list soon. So I have an actual list of this. It's better than the first one to me at this point. Cause I think the first one is held back by being an origin story. 
I think that makes and sense. I think that makes it work well, though, because it's a different origin story. That no, absolutely. Into. I absolutely agree with that. But I'm saying that you can explore more after that point. Yeah. Which they get to do. I think for me that I put No Way Home above Sp- the first Spider-Verse just for the you know pure, simple nostalgia reasons. I love everything that it does, but that's just kind of the main reason. But this one, yeah, I got to put it above No Way Home. Like, it just, it's so good on so many levels. I mean, I've said this before about 8,000 times. My favorite Spider-Man film, not, I'm not saying best, my favorite has always been the first Amazing Spider-Man movie. This one is now above that. Not by a lot, so, because I think, I, I, for me, I have a personal connection to that other movie, but I know that, that's a touchy subject for people, I guess. But, like, seeing this movie, it just, it's it wowed me so much. I'm, I'm happy with it, Josh. Me too. Ready to move on to our super weird story? Eh, probably. Which ties into the movie, too. I'm talking about one of the spider people in that movie. Which one? Sun Spider. Sun- so, huh? Ooh. Charlotte Charlotte Weber, get the joke? Ha-ha. Charlotte Webb is Sun Spider, who is a disabled spider person. Oh, with, the one in the, the one with the wheelchair. Yeah, wheelchair and crutches. That's cool. Who, whose web shooters come out of her crutches? I'm I'm looking at Uh, you I, might not know What? I was just saying like I'm looking up pictures now. That's a cool design. Yes. Let's get in. Want to know? You will not notice it. I probably. You know anything about her right now at all? Nothing in the slightest. She was created by fans. Really? A fan watched the first Spider-Man movie, heard anyone cover the mask. That fan has EDS, uh, Ehlers Danlos Syndrome, which has a lot of different musculatory problems. I mean, so you, you can be ambulatory, so meaning you can walk, but you'll need a wheelchair a lot of the time. And so she has EDS and wanted to feel like a hero, so she created a Spider-Man, a spider character for herself. That's cool. So much like uh, Blue Ear, same thing. This became a canon character afterward. That's fun. Right? So Sun Spider. And she has a whole backstory now. And she got, and she was an actual character with lines in the movie. She did, Yeah, she did have lines. Some pretty, some, uh, some pretty corny ones, too. Charlotte Weber, the character, though, was bitten by a radioactive spider three years ago and has been operating as Sun Spider ever since. Her EDS, Adolf Andros Syndrome, did not go away when she got her spider powers, but she remained hyper-flexible while requ- uh, while requiring crutches for stability due to her being a wheelchair user. Sun Spider was among the spider persons recruited by Spider-Man and Spider-Zero uh, to rescue Spider-Ling, well, three spiders, from within the web of life and destiny, which is a very Madam Web thing. Uh-huh. During this time, uh, Spider-Man of Earth-616, which is the main universe, not MCU-616, <laughs> main comic universe, fuck you, Doctor Strange, noticed her work and concluded that she was cool. Because she is cool. Charlotte, or Charlie, she's also nicknamed, so Charlie Weber. Charlie attended a long-awaited prom dance with her friends Glory, Angelica, and Aster. Angelica encouraged Charlie to invite Aster to to a dance, having perceived that she had a crush on her. However, they were interrupted by their classmate, Otto Octavius. As as one's classmate is. (laughs) Who offered to supply Charlie with new prosthetic legs. After being rejected, Otto went on to an angry rampage. (laughs) Uh, forcing Charlie to switch into her costume to deal with him. Unbeknownst to her, Aster was also changed into her secret identity as Histamina. Uh, together, they managed to take him down, allowing the police to apprehend him. And immediately afterwards, Charlie was approached by Madame Web and Spider UK, who also who is not... Spider UK is not Spider-Punk. Spider-Punk is traditionally American. Um, I'm not going to get right now. Just letting everyone know who the audience is. So Charlie was approached by Madame Web and Spider UK, who recruited her to save the Spider-Verse once again. Their fight against uh, Shatra, who threatened the web of life and destiny, went on for months. 
at the end of which, Sunspire was one of the few uncorrupted spider totems that remained in Spider Army's secret hideout place. Hideout place? Yes. On Earth 616 Beta, which is a different thing than Earth 616. No time. Um, <laughs> reaching the end game with the arrival of remaining spiders from Earth 616, the team had immediately split up again. Morlin, who's a vampire person, like Morbius, mm-hmm. went on to obtain a totem dagger, uh, ready to kill corrupted Spider Man Noir for it. Yes, Spider-Man Noir got corrupted, and that's a whole other thing. To stop Morlin from killing their friend, Sunspider rushed after him alongside Webweaver, Spinstress, and Silk. I love Silk, by the way. Really cool character. Arriving back to Earth-616. This went terribly, uh, as Spinstress was immediately stung by one of Chantra's wasps and converted into a member of her hive. Although, the others managed to subdue her for a time. And lastly, when things seemed most dire, Silk received a call from Peter Parker, who, after being severed from the great web became her sidekick in a new timeline where he was never bitten by a spider he received a piece of the great web from earth 44145 norman osborne there's too many spider people <laughs> and silk and sent spider uk and sun spider to assist him in his lab while the others went to the loom world for a desperate plan sahara and charlie protected peter from shathra's minions spider laird and samurai spider there are too many spiders here. I apologize for this description, people. Uh, allowing Peter to implement this piece into the Great Web Shooter. When all the other spiders uh, were freed from Shathra's control and were gathered on Earth-616, Peter fired his Great Web Shooter, defeating her and saving the Spider-Verse. Charlotte was later recruited by the Spider-Man 2099 and Earth-928B into his Spider Society and followed his orders to stop Miles Morales aiding in his pursuit which we see in the movie. Crazy. So that's pretty cool, right? That's fun. Sun Spider originated as a spider Sona, like a fur Sona, but for Spider-Man characters. Uh-huh. Uh, a fan-created character inspired by the film in the Spider-Verse. And Marvel Comics contacted those fans to create new spider Sonas specifically to be showcased in Spider-Verse Volume 3. And that's where we got the whole story I just told you about. So that is fucking cool. It also shows that literally anyone can wear the mask. Also... She's queer, which is cool. Any other thoughts on Sunspider? I just, I love just, like, how varied, like, the world of Spire people, like, variations there are. Because, like, you really don't see that, like, with other superhero characters. Because, like, you know, if it'll be a new interpretation of, say, Batman, it will just be another Batman. But, like, with with Spider-Man, you could literally have all these kinds of versions and, like, it'll all, like, work. And it'll all stay true to, like, at least the core ideas of the character. And I wish that more comic characters did stuff like this. Uh, the only thing about that's kind of problematic for her as a character is she does suffer, suffer from fatigue because of her, her condition EDS. So she gets ex- exhausted after spending too much time as Sunspider. But she does have hyperflexibility, which people with EDS do have are hyperflexible, but not to the ex- extent that Sunspider is. She can dislocate her body in ways which are not ordinarily possible, which is really cool. Also, of course, EDS is a genetic disease, which necessitates mobility aids, such as a wheelchair and crutches. And the fact that she uses those to her advantage as a character is so cool. Like, her webs come out of her crutches. I just wonder how, I just wonder how you, like, design that, and, like, don't accidentally, like, you know, shoot them out, like, when you're just walking. Carefully. <laughs> yeah, it's a really cool character. Also, you can cut out some of the story, because it, it gets a lot of different spider people in it, so I apologize for that. And if there's anyone that you want me to talk about in more depth with any of these characters... Please let me know in the future. I will be happy to do so. But also, audiences, thank you so much for listening. 
Uh, you can email the show at podgeekspeak at gmail.com or tweet at us with hashtag geekspeakpod or geekspeakpod on Twitter. Josh, where can people find you on the interwebs? I'm at places. I'm on Instagram at jrudy 16 Twitter jrudy 28 YouTube at Josh Rudolph. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at that nerd in theater. Uh, E-R, not R-E at the end of theater. Or you can find me on Twitter at the theater nerd. Thank you all so much for listening. And next week will be all about the Fast franchise. It'll be a family episode. Family. Oh Jesus Christ, that's gonna be terrifying. I think it's. I think you're just too scared to be enlightened. I'm watching Tokyo Drift after this, Josh. Have fun with that. I have never seen it. It's a movie. That's right here. Well, next episode we'll have guests on the show too, which is pretty fun. It's gonna so. be a wild discussion. Thank you all so much for listening today. It's been fun. Please go see this movie if you're not already. If you made it this far with, with you know, fine being spoiled, I'm impressed by you. If you like it, cool. I'm tired. We also, my are. audio is I'm no longer in the closet. Not in a queer way, but in a... <laughs> Wait, he has a microphone now. He doesn't have to stuff himself in a closet like he has to, had to for the past several episodes. What he said? <laughs> Nothing again. I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say, y'all. I'm tired. I bought a fancy microphone. Ow. No, thank you all for listening to the episode. You've been great. It's What is your spider sona, Josh? The one that wants to sleep. That's a good one. All right. See ya. See ya. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.